Hey, it's Bao, and this is Coffee with Bao, where I chat with awesome people about their creative process, their cultural identity, and how they're still growing as a human being. You can find my past guests, send me feedback, recommend a guest even, or buy me a coffee at coffeewithbao.com. Let me introduce you to my guest today. Today I'm hanging out with a writer, editor, and all-around artist. She spent her childhood between the US and Brazil. Formerly, she's worked in PR for Sony Music and as a projects manager at the United Nations. And more recently, she's the founder and editor-in-chief at an online magazine and intersectional feminist collective called Oya Drum Magazine. Here's my friend, fellow coffee enthusiast, Amarantha de Cruz. Yo! Hello! <laughs> it's such an official hello. <laughs> Happy New Year. Thank you so much. Uh, I'm so happy that we're finally able to get together and do this conversation. We yes. are, uh, we talk all the time. We're friends. We've been friends since high school in Houston, Texas. Can you tell folks where you're calling from? I am calling from Austin. It's a lovely place to spend the pandemic. It's beautiful. <laughs> so my idea was that we met in Houston in high school back in the day because we were both transplants from elsewhere to Houston. But I think your hypothesis of why we got along is a lot more interesting. Well, uh, we were artsy, kind of weird, slightly <laughs> awkward teenagers. And I think that that's what bonded us. I mean, our group of friends were very, very talented people in all areas. Um, you were are an incredible visual artist. That's how I remember how you started out. And I was a violin player. And I think that, you know, these these things made us bond and probably our love of Bjork and stuff too. Music has been a big through line in our friendship, huh? Super yes. interesting. We've been on a, a 20 plus year musical journey. Wow, imagine <laughs> the mixtape for that. <laughs> so you have a cool story about being in an American born Brazilian person. And I, I, you know, I think that's informed a lot of your work and your personality, especially like the language aspects of it. And I was wondering if you could share some of your, that background with folks. I was born in New York City, where I've spent the majority of my life. My parents were there for a decade. Uh, my mother was a vice consul. She was a foreign service officer for the Brazilian government. And she lived in many different countries, and that's where she was stationed at the time. I was in New York till I was about six or seven, and then I moved to Brazil. My mom went back to Brazil, and I uh, had a very, very different childhood versus the city over there in Brasilia, the capital. I consider both English and Portuguese my first language. I learned how to read and write both oh, simultaneously. When I was 12 to 13, my mother was stationed in Houston, Texas. And that's how I ended up in Houston, Texas, where I went to middle school and high school where we met. And then I went straight back to New York when I started college in 2001. <laughs> but yeah, that is the summary of my story. Well done. Well done. <laughs> <laughs> I think something special about your relationship to language is that, you know, as a kid in American school, People didn't suspect that English was kind of a newer language for you. And um, I, I think that assumption that you were like a local or something kind of affected your upbringing. It did. It did. And I think that 
some of it is because of, I guess, having fair skin or something. People might have yeah. assumed certain things, you know, not guess that I'm South American. Yeah. When I came back to the United States when I was 11, I had forgotten English because I didn't like study it during the time I was in Brazil. And those are sort of formative years when you're a kid and you can forget things. Uh, so totally. when I came back, I, I didn't really speak much. But the little that I spoke was like this <laughs> without an accent because, you know, my beginning of my story started in the U.S. So a lot of kids were sort of weirded out, you know, um, <laughs> and uh, language is just uh, something that was a barrier, something that was a challenge for me and now a fascination. <laughs> you said earlier that you consider English um, and Portuguese your first language. I'm curious as far as your own definition of yourself culturally, um, do you like just see yourself as a Brazilian in the U.S. or do you feel like you're equally American? I think that I am a foreigner no matter where I go. Damn. I think that over here I'm introduced sometimes by people as their Brazilian friend <laughs> and and in Brazil, I'm introduced as the American friend of the American <laughs> um, Of course, the thing is, if I, if I speak in Portuguese in Brazil or in English here and I just don't say anything about myself, then people just assume I'm from, You're local. you know. Yeah. I, I consider myself Latina. I consider uh -huh. myself Latina, South American. I think now we have this term, I think it's called third culture kid. And it's exactly people that um, were perhaps raised with multiple cultures or in various places. And you're sort of a citizen of the world and not necessarily of one location or one place. Interesting. So, so music is kind of your other love of your life? It's the love of my life. <laughs> I see, I see. Can you talk a little bit about like just bringing those passions and trying to find a career after school to tie in with that passion? Uh, yeah, I, I was born sort of music obsessed. My parents met at a music conservatory. I grew up with a stepdad who was a music producer. <laughs> so these things helped. Nice. Um, but I also was just music obsessed. I, I wanted to learn instruments at a very young age. I chose the violin as the primary one. My parents were disappointed. They wanted me to be cool and play the guitar, or the drums, you know. That's so funny. Um, that that doesn't happen. <laughs> Usually parents are like, play something civilized, <laughs> like the piano. Not the violin, man. I mean, if you have a, a kid starting out the Suzuki method, until they get good, it's, it's painful, you know. <laughs> um, but I went to a music conservatory, and we also had to learn other instruments. So there's piano, flute, singing, other things, too. I stopped playing music, unfortunately, after, once I started college, mm. something that I kind of regret. But then I shifted uh, my love of music to, so I was the manager of my college radio station, and I started doing an internship with WBAI, Pacifica Radio Station in New York. I started assisting a music publicist who worked for Sony, the Sony Jazz Latin Division, and I worked for her for a very long time. And then in later years, I started to profile artists, bands, and now I one of my gigs is writing reviews for bands, everything from marketing to feedback. Imagine wielding all the power of reviewing albums. <laughs> 
Um, what do you think the biggest misconception is about your work at the United Nations? Because, big... you know, I obviously have a vision of like going to the United Nations as like this big glamorous thing. Glamorous? Really? Yeah, dude, it's the United <laughs> Nations. It's like a, a very bureaucratic place, you know, it's, it's a little bit uptight. Uh, I would define it as a think tank yeah. um, that has a lot of subdivisions that do humanitarian work or raise awareness. Uh, my role was more in raising awareness. I started out over there at the exhibition department. I was the assistant to the curator there uh, for the first two years I was there. And we had, I don't know, 40 rotating exhibits a year. It was really wild and it was fabulous. And then I started working for the news and media, multimedia departments. And um, I started working with audio and visual mm. uh, project management and also selecting what would be uh, public information. You know, I, I enjoyed my time there, but it's a difficult place if you are a very creative person or if you <laughs> are innovative or if you want to do. Well, yeah, because it's, you know, it's a lot of templates, it's a lot of red yeah. tape. And you are representing an organization that is, you know, tightly branded and you can't really stray from that. I guess a, a year or two ago, you asked me to do some illustrations for this new project you're starting, this online magazine before I had started. And, you know, I, I was happy to see you launch that and get like really enthusiastic engagement and, and tons of unique viewers on your website. Um, could you tell people about Oya Drum Magazine, your, your latest big project? Yes, thank you for those initial illustrations. Uh, Oya Drum Magazine, uh, it started the initial concept, I think, at the end of 2019. Um, I had spent uh, many years working in arts administration with a lot of artists. Um, one of my last big projects was for this nonprofit called Arts and Odd Places in New York. And I was the curatorial manager. And so I was really used to selecting work from various people. So I also was uh, navigating a lot of sites before I started it. And I got frustrated because I felt that either you find like uh, literary publications or publications dedicated to music or specifically to art, but you don't really see a merging mm. of those worlds, you know? And I think that if you're an artist or a writer, a musician, um, you may have multiple talents or interests, you know, we all have various interests. So I wanted to bring all of that together in one big pot. And I did. Nice. And um, we have a weekly section content, which is open-ended to any subject. And then we have the quarterly, which is like the bigger deal. And the quarterly is themed every time. And this issue is the volume three, the sex issue. It's the largest issue ever, 41 posts. <laughs> and we have videos, we have a song, we have a lot of poetry, um, writing, incredible artwork from women um, from all over the world of all ages, which is really cool from 20 to literally 89. Nice. Here's an image of Oya Drum Magazine and the front cover now is volume three, the sex issue. So Oya Drum Magazine features original creative work in a variety of medium by women from all over the world. Each volume is revolving around a theme, like Amarantha just said, and showcases a uh, range of different mediums. So um, the theme right now is sex, and we're going to talk about that in a sec. You can find Oye Drum 
at oyedrum.com. That's O-Y-E-D-R-U-M dot com. Yeah, I'm excited um, about this big launch. I know you guys took a lot of time and, and um, effort to review all these submissions. And I um, actually want to start by talking about the process of assembling a team like of all volunteers around this one idea of yours. What, what were some of the biggest challenges that you faced? Probably initially getting people on board. <laughs> oh, wow. Because, I mean, you know, I, I don't know about you, but I all the time I come up with ideas, especially with friends, and we're like, let's do this. And so <laughs> I know, yeah. But then people just, you know, flake out or they forget or whatever, you know, or they're busy. And so I realized that I had to build it myself <laughs> and build it and they will come. Yeah. And that's exactly what happened. I just like uh, started building it and showing that I was really serious about it. It was also a way for me to channel a lot of the emotions I was feeling at the time that I was building. I, I had lost my my mother and I, I needed a project to kind of keep me sane. So that boy yeah. drum actually stemmed a lot from that. And um, Alex, who is the managing editor, I think she was the first person to uh, join. And Kim, um, who is one of the jurors, um, she was a close friend, but some of these guys, like I kind of sort of knew some I was closer to and we've gotten to know each other over time. Right before the, the first issue came out, I put out a few ads saying that I was looking for work. And to be honest with you, I thought that like one or two people would send me stuff. I was actually hitting up friends because I was worried that, that yeah. I wouldn't have any content. And hundreds of people got back to me. Yeah, yeah. Um, like strangers, like just, you know, and tons of women were like, oh my God, I'm so excited, you know? <laughs> That's awesome. Um, and I just was blown away, you know, because I I really imagine this is something small scale, um, yeah. especially because I, I'm not that popular or a figure, you know, I don't have thousands of people in my <laughs> personal <laughs> social media, like, who am I? But um, a lot of people you know, uh, responded. And I think that that caught the attention of my group of friends who were supportive, but then they were like, we're going to do this. We're going to support you. Nice. And so, yeah, we just all came together. You know, the team members have just been amazing because um, they're volunteering their time, you know, and everybody works full time. I've been concerned, you know, what, what does that mean? How do I lead a team that I'm not paying? But one thing that I underestimated is I know this sounds corny, but love, you know, and just people loving the project or loving me um, <laughs> and, uh, and really believing in it, you know, like people just saying, I really believe in this. And um, that's been the motivation from what I hear. It's a really amazing team of women and, and an amazing audience. It's been really wonderful. Um, I'd say that also the other thing is that everybody on the team has very different personalities and come from very different backgrounds. And the age group in our group is also, it goes from 29 to 47. I mean, it's, mm -hmm. it's a very eclectic group of women and of different ethnicities, races. And so, and what I find really amazing about the group is that despite all of that, we get along really, really well. And we really, <laughs> no, we do. And we really respect each other and listen to each other. And we kind of bounce off each other and have a conversation um, about all of the accepted submissions. And that's, that's our process. The topic of sex 
exclusively from a woman's perspective is something that you specifically wanted to go for for this issue and uh, what was that initial conversation like to to be like hey let's let's make this the topic this time yeah um so uh, the idea came up because of cardi b's uh wap oh WAP nice yeah so when that song and that video came out um <laughs> one of the team members and i were on the phone just chit-chatting like as friends and uh we brought up cardi b's new single and it was so funny like the two very different reactions we had to it you know the person was just like uh, felt that it was you know disrespectful or it was kind of a step back uh-huh. you know for women and etc and and i felt like it was just hilarious and just absolutely like appropriate and i thought wonderful that a woman is you know a successor of little kim and everything to be raunchy and out there yeah and then uh, as we were chit-chatting i just realized you know sex is one of the most talked about things in the world and yet um in a very one-dimensional way we don't really get to the meaning of it um or in a deeper in a deeper level um and sex really has def- different definitions for everyone we decided collectively that it was going to be sex but uh the individual interpretation of sex and individual meaning stepping away from the patriarchy stepping away from heteronormative blah 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 you know um yeah and we received you know careful what you ask for we received (laughs) a crazy amount of answers things that i never even considered you know i mean some of the pieces that we chose which uh one of our jurors, Nada, was the one who brought it up because I initially was like, well, why are we going to, you know, publish this? And she was like, because the absence of sex is actually very important. It's mm. a conversation related to sex. And so we have a few pieces about the absence of sex. But it, it was really, uh, really lovely to, to see people's enthusiasm and uh, their take on it. You know, everything from rageful to beautiful to yeah. a lot of mess a lot of vegetables. Interesting. Um, what do you think the difference or the advantage is of using creative expression to talk about sex rather than, you know, something a lot more traditional and straightforward? I think, you know, in art of any type, whether it's writing or abstract painting, um, it always conveys more of feeling more yeah. than anything. Um, it conveys mood. You know, so I think that in creative writing or painting or even a song, that's just in general, you know, art just provides um, something for the audience where the audience can also interpret it for themselves. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I think that's pretty important, but I think it just sets a, a tone, you know, and uh, you, you get insight into someone's psyche, I think, especially with art. So. That's interesting because um, I think the submissions probably allowed people to like say a lot of stuff that they wouldn't normally talk about. Oh, yeah. And we have quite a few people for the first time in this issue that went by pen names. Oh, interesting. Um, yeah. Everyone was just very, very brave, uh, whether they gave out their real name or not. Mm-hmm. Uh, from an audience perspective, when they go visit for this specific issue, what do you think is the most important thing for someone to get out of it? I just hope that the people who check out this issue 
question sex and question the, the meaning in a deeper level. And um, I hope that they can see the art and the writing actually beyond the fact that it's produced by women. It's produced by people. It yeah. just so happens to be an all-female space. But I hope that, you know, men and women and, and other genders, non-binary, can look at it. And um, I hope it moves them. I hope it moves them. That's, I think that's the point of art anyway, is that you feel something. And everything that was selected, it's because I felt something. And that people can look at it and just understand how much talent there is out there. And maybe be encouraged to make their own stuff, you know? Like that's they look awesome. at it and go... Well, I have a video too of, of me frolicking naked in the woods. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I have so many of those, by the way. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Let me show the audience um, the website again. So oyadrum.com is at O-Y-E-D-R-U-M.com. You can head over there right now and check out Volume 3, The Sex Issue. Let's take a little break. Hey, friends. Not sure if you know this, but I serve on the board of a nonprofit called the Slants Foundation. We're a volunteer-driven organization that provides resources, scholarships, and mentorship to Asian American creatives looking to incorporate activism into their art. We also produce events that feature these talented creators. Our last virtual concert helped over 500 people register to vote for the very first time. You can learn about and support the Slants Foundation by visiting theslants.org. Thanks, and see you soon. Let's get back to the show. You are an editor now. Do you believe that? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I've been editing for a really long time. I started out as a video editor uh, right after college. I was actually trained to do uh, video editing. And then uh, after that, I learned... Uh, you know, writing, development, editing. Yeah. And um, I love, I love editing a lot. Like I really do. Um, I think it's where the magic happens, especially to push somebody's work to be even better, you know, or to unearth things, you know, because um, if you're an artist or a writer or even a musician, you can get really immersed in the work and it's hard for you to step back and really look at something. You know, um, I, I know that when I'm doing my own work, I have a very hard time editing what I actually do because it's just too hard for me to be objective yeah. with myself. But, you know, I really, really enjoy scouting talent. That is something that all my life I've enjoyed. This is my first time as an editor in chief. I hope that I can maybe do it beyond Doya Drum. It's a lot more work than I ever expected. I don't know why I thought I didn't realize what it meant. Are you still able to do your own creative writing here and there still? Uh, you know, when I first started out this thing, a lot of friends of mine who are owners of indie press publishers or are also editors warned me about that. They said, you know, be careful because you can get so wrapped up in the editor role that you no longer have time to do your own stuff. But actually, uh, the Oya Drum inspired me to get back to work. You know, I saw how many people were putting their work out there and it just made me very conscious of like, I needed to get it together and like <laughs> make stuff, you know, um, but it is very time consuming. Yeah. But again, I think that's just because, you know, the business just started and we're soon going to create a Patreon very soon or, or some sort of crowd uh, funding um, to make Oya Drum sustainable. And I think that will help 
some of the challenges I'm having. I don't know if it strips away from my work. I think it, it inspires me and even shames me in a good way. <laughs> That's cool. Yeah, sometimes you kind of need that pressure and, um, you know, it allows you to not be the bottleneck, I guess, to just free other people to do their best work. So this past year, obviously, everyone's, you know, experienced a ton of weirdo stuff that we haven't before. And um, how do you think having that project there affects how you manage your own personal life? Like, does it pull you away? Have you been able to find balance? Oya Drum kind of started out as sort of escaping a lot of issues or sadness that I was having because, you know, it's so many hours yeah. <laughs> to build something and I built everything. Everything is, you know, I, I um, gave direction in every detail of the site. Um, I wrote all the copy about the mission, everything. Mm-hmm. I just think it's, it's a pleasurable thing. I don't think it gets in the way of, mm-hmm. uh, you know, health issues or whatever else is going on. Sometimes it's even a Zen exercise, you know, because uh, especially when you're dealing with WordPress, you know, you need a lot of patience. <laughs> and so it helps me, you know, like stay focused. I, I meditate and um, I'm into Zen Buddhism. So I, I think it's a bit of practice, you know, I mean, nice. they say you can practice Zen through washing dishes, whatever it may be. I consider the WordPress for the site a bit of that. Um but it, I think just what, right when we're about to drop an issue, that's, that's usually like the only time that it's, it can get in the way of my life. You know, like <laughs> yeah. this one, I was up for like 30 hours before the launch of volume three, but it, it doesn't get in, in the way um, just, you know, a few times a year, but it's, yeah, yeah. That's it's really awesome. a good thing. And it helps me to right now feeling connected to people because I'm not seeing anybody. Yeah. It makes me feel connected and if you are well mentally and emotionally that helps you physically that's awesome well uh that's great and i I appreciate that that's been one of the bright spots in your life what have been some of the other bright spots in the last few months or in the last year um i read a really cool book um called slap boxing with jesus by victor laval that was a highlight of the year a lot of short stories um, including discovering Brian Washington, uh, a Houston native writer who's really like booming right now. Um, I still got to see performance, performing arts just online. Yeah. So that was really cool. I was very grateful for technology. And I got to spend more time uh, in quiet and in nature and in parks and take a step back and take it easy. You know, the world is so busy. It's so very busy and it's so very fast. And we don't get a chance to slow down. I think especially as you get older and time goes by much faster. Mm-hmm. And um, I feel like I got uh, to slow down for once. And I got to actually have proper time that was unplanned nice. to be effective and yeah. think about things, reassess myself, uh, all of that. But it's, you know, it's hard. I, I miss my friends. I miss my family. It's, it's been a roller coaster ride. Yeah, well, let's talk about that. Like, what um, having the opportunity to reassess yourself and where you're going is a blessing, in my opinion. And um, I'm curious, you know, after finishing this big milestone of yours, like, what's your next challenge? Uh, Losing the pandemic weight I gained. (laughs) That's great. (laughs) (laughs) That's a worthy Uh, challenge, for real. 
you know, I know I've recently gone back to meditating. Yeah. Just back to good habits. I, I did lose some of my good habits because of the stress of the situation with the pandemic. Like mm -hmm. I quit smoking for years and then I took up smoking again. <laughs> I, for personal growth, um, I'm just always striving to kind of hopefully be a better person as cheesy as it sounds, just be a better person and be more of a person for other people, not just for myself. Um, yeah. Well, drum kind of stemmed from that too, um, of me wanting to help other people feature, help the careers of other people um, and not be so self-centered or just work on my own stuff. Yeah. Um, not, and also give myself an excuse as to why I'm not working on my own stuff. <laughs> <laughs> I've been thinking a lot lately about the dreams and the things that I wanted to do when I was younger. This might sound like a midlife crisis, but um, I've been thinking about these things and uh, the things that are still very easy, like you could do it, you know, and uh, wanting to maybe get in touch with that and um, find joy again and, and, and understand the next phase of life that I'm entering. You know, my, my mom's uh, passing, which will happen to everyone if you haven't already lost a parent. Right. Um, it's the most transformative experience that a human being can go through. It's, you know, written biblically in Eastern philosophy. It's discussed and it's uh, fascinating. It, cha it changes everything. It changes who you are and your role in life to no mm -hmm. longer have that anchor. Um, and I think in Buddhism, they say, you, you know, the student becomes the teacher. That's, that's something that I'm still wrapping my head around. I'm now like past the heaviest part, I think, of grief for the most part. And I'm now looking at it through a lens of spiritual growth and um, what kind of an adult or what kind of a person that I'm going to be from this point forward, you know, and, and remember the good things that, that my mother taught me. And I, I just never realized how much I had inside of me about her, you know, that just stays and it carries through and, and losing that weight, you know, <laughs> that's great. <laughs> uh, you've leveled up significantly. By figuring out how to date during the pandemic. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say this, this last year and this last issue of uh, Oya Drum has given you an opportunity to level up quite a bit, just in terms of your organization and building your team and, you know, figuring out who you are in relationship to that team. And I was wondering if you have a hot tip for me about something that you've learned about either starting from scratch or about constructing that team to, to help move your idea forward. Yeah. Um, don't think just do. Oh, wow. <laughs> um, I think I'm somebody that was very paralyzed in my life with insecurities and being concerned about like what other people might think or, you know, whatever, um, imposter syndrome yeah. or self-esteem issues. And I just cannot believe how much time I wasted um, <laughs> or just thinking that I couldn't do things on my own. That was a very big thing, you know, especially something like this. I thought I needed a business partner, somebody to, you know, bring it. And I never realized that I'm capable of, of, doing whatever by myself, you mm -hmm. know, and, uh, in this, in this ride with, with Oya drum, I never think too hard of how people perceive it. I'm, I'm doing it for myself. Of course, there's an audience, but if I'm satisfied with it, that's fine. 
so yeah, you just do it and um, and don't think too hard because I think thinking too much, which I'm guilty of, can really be paralyzing. Awesome. Thank you for that. And um, thank you for spending this time with me to share your story and your insights on all of this stuff. I think I had a great time. I don't know about you. <laughs> I did. I did. Well, I always have a great time with you. Awesome. So my guest today has been Amarantha de Cruz. She's the founder and editor-in-chief of Oya Drum Magazine. Volume 3, The Sex Issue, has just been released recently, a couple days ago, and it's now online at oyedrum.com. That's O-Y-E-D-R-U-M.com. And um, Amarantha, can you hang while I give a little outro and I'll come back and say a proper goodbye to you? Yes, and I also wanted to say, uh, please follow us on social media. Yeah, you know, oh. Oya Drum. <laughs> at Oya Drum, um, you are we also are launching. Instagram, we are on Twitter, we are on Facebook, and we are on Spotify. We have a podcast. Awesome. Um, we even have a SoundCloud. <laughs> so if you just put like at O-Y-E-D-R-U-M, you will find us. That's wonderful. And I wanted to mention as well, now that you've reminded me that you guys are launching a crowdfunding site soon in the next week or so and uh so if y'all check out Oya Drum and enjoy what you see uh they could use your support to make it an ongoing thing that was coffee with bow with amarantha de cruz i hope you guys enjoyed the show um i would really appreciate if you uh like these episodes if you could go and share it um if you can financially support me head over to coffeewithbow.com and there's a big blue button to support Thank you so much for having coffee with Bao. We'll see you next time. You want to see our beautiful mugs while we chat? Coffee with Bao is also available in video. Just search for it on YouTube and hit the subscribe button.